0: It's episode 327 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I chat to Nicola P. Overson of Chaos Manga Studio about their beautifully crafted and nuanced point-and-click adventure game, Encodia, which is published by Assemble Entertainment. I really, really like point-and-click adventures. I've liked them for many decades now. They've evolved over time, of course, as any medium and sub-medium does. And Encodia does something very different. It has you controlling two characters at the same time, which can be a little bit confusing to some, but it does shift between the two and they re-interact with each other. And I just found the whole story, and the whole assemblage of the game itself, to be quite something, which is why I asked Nicola to come on and chat about its creation and development, of course. And this is what we're here to listen to, me from the past talking to Nicola about the creation of Encodia. So without further ado, shall we do that? Chris, if you'd be so kind. Nicola. Hello.
1: Who are you and what do you do? Oh well I'm now sitting on my home office chair. Yes. Uh, waiting for your questions.
0: No, who are you and what do you do? Uh, who, who, who yes, are you, not how. I'm Nicola. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm Nicola Pivazan. I'm the game developer of Encodia and a lot of other things.
0: Right. Let's let's, let's get into that. So how did you make your start making video games, Nicola?
1: Yeah, well, I am actually uh, I'm a film director, a filmmaker, or film producer, and I started my career in movie making about twenty years ago. And then at some point, I was making an animated short film called "Robot Will Protect You." It was um, uh, two thousand eighteen, and I made also a Kickstarter for it. While I was doing the Kickstarter for Robots Will Protect You, I noticed um, pretty much attention and, and from the gaming community because I was posting around all the social media the content of my animated short film, so screenshots, animations, and uh, you know frames of, uh, of the film, and people were, "Wow, this looks great! This could be a game!" And then I say, "Well, oh, okay. So what if I said?" a little stretch goal for my Kickstarter campaign for, it was just about a, a thousand euros and say, okay, if I reach that stretch goal, I will spare thousand euros to start at least developing a game with the same characters and setting of the short film robot will protect you. And then the gaming community say, wow, okay, cool. And they gave me actually more than those thousand, So I went over my, Uh, short film goal and then uh, I said okay then I'm gonna make a game and in December of 2018 I finished the short film and in February of 2019 without any knowledge whatsoever I downloaded uh, Unity and I started developing games that's how it happened and then it's kind of crazy considering that Uh, I downloaded Unity in uh, February 2019 and I released Encodia in January 2021. So it was kind of fast and and crazy, but somehow a natural process. And now I'm kind of doing both, uh, developing games and making films.
0: What a fantastic story. That's amazing. Just to if you just sit down and go okay no distractions let's figure this out then how does this work what do i do um wow is that i'm assuming yeah that's that's how you did it yeah
1: yeah it was also like an interesting coincidence um considering the you know what year was 2020 and the pandemic and COVID and so on all the all the film industry you know um basically is is in standby it's not really moving forward and they had like the the lack uh, i don't know but uh, it, this game developing came at the right time and the right moment and I'm, I'm fully into it i have already another game in development and two other games that are at a very very early stage like just like ideas at the moment but yeah we'll see
0: okay no it's um it, and the fact I mean, we've had other guests on the show before from the film industry, there is some crossover between the two fields, definitely. Um, not as much as people think there should be, or would be, I should say. Um, but no, it's really interesting to see that you've made that crossover from, I'm going to say linear narrative, but that's deeply insulting to the film medium because it doesn't have to be. I know you know that. Nicola the narrative in film doesn't have to be linear really you can push that boundary to the point where it becomes uh disjointed and that's fine we've seen many many films that go go to that place but it is still a different medium it still starts and ends (laughs) uh within a defined period of time whereas video games less are less of that so we're going to delve into how you found that later on, but before we do, my next question is really about you as a creator, and obviously you are, uh, and um, I, I'd always like to ask this question of creators because I get so many interesting answers to it, but it is difficult to answer because it's well, it's a bit of a, uh, a nebulous, or uh, doesn't really have a lot of focus of a of question, but it is this. What are your biggest influences as a creator?
1: Well, I have tons of influences and they are coming from, from very different things and also depending on, on what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. I, I'd say i say I like to challenge myself doing things that sometimes are the opposite, you know, like the, the two extremes, for example. um I do also documentaries, I do uh, live action, science fiction, animation, music videos, and so on. So, uh, for instance, like uh, um, one of my previous short film, actually, the, the short film before Robot Protect You, is called Attack of the Cyber Octopuses, and it's like a, a tribute to the 80s science fiction. And actually, is in the same universe of Encodia and of Robots Will Protect You, but it's like 17 years later. So it's somehow uh, Robots Will Protect You and Encodia are prequel of, of Attack of the Cyber Octopuses. And that, for example, I started doing it uh, in the same way that I make Encodia. Like, okay, I want to make a game and I don't know anything about it. And I start to learn about it. And the same happened with um, Cyber Octopuses. I say, okay, I want to make a film entirely as it was made in the 80s, meaning with practical effects, with miniatures, and all of that. And I've been when I started making uh, Cyber Octopuses, of course, I had a lot of experience with filmmaking, but not in that field with miniatures. So I started building by myself, you know, without any knowledge, um, a futuristic city made of junk, basically, and. Shampoo bottles and, and things like that, all you know, repainted. And I also design and 3D printed uh, the cyber octopuses the, themselves. So they are 3D printed with a uh, uh, some sort of skeleton of of um, with metal wire because they were moved in stop motion. So it's very hard to tell where my inspiration is coming from, but obviously uh, from what I like the most. And for instance, I love Blade Runner and the cyberpunk universe, so that influenced me a lot in the, my last um, productions, either uh, movies and, uh, and games. And I also love uh, British humor, for instance, so Monty Python or uh, Douglas Adams. Uh, and I uh, also try to to blend, you know, all those very different influences as well as a game like Monkey Island or uh, Studio Ghibli from Japan, you know, the anime from, from Miyazaki. So a mixture of all of this, especially for, for Encodia, uh, was a mixture of all of this. And in general, yeah, from what I see uh, around, and then usually an idea just pop up, you know, without any, it's just, okay, one morning I wake up, I want to make a movie like this, I want to make a game like that. And I usually am very spontaneous in that sense. Like uh, uh, when the idea came, it's just, it's there. Uh, Then of course I work on it. And um, if I don't like it, I just uh, put it aside, but it's not like uh, uh, that I change the idea itself. It's just, yeah, let's do it. Um, and the other thing is that I'm a very perseverant. When I start a project, I don't like to to let it be for for a long time. That's why also I try to to finish it quickly and to move on and do the next. So if I have a script, if I have a, especially if it's a low budget thing, I try to you know to finish it to achieve it you know within a year or something and then move on.
0: That's really good. Just yeah, don't keep starting stuff. Just get it, you know start it and then bring it, bring it I
1: home finish, finish them. That, that's the, because starting is easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very, very true. Starting a project is very easy. It's the finishing. It's the problem and knowing when yeah. to finish and knowing when something is good enough, which is a phrase I know creative people understand, but many people don't. It implies that you're only doing it half baked. You're not putting, putting enough effort in. No, no, it's not what it means. You can't chase perfection, because if you do, it drives you mad. There's no such thing. It's really understanding what is good enough, as in, does it do what you want it to do? Does it deliver the message or whatever you're trying to deliver? Does it do that? If the answer's yes, then you're probably more or less there.
1: But, yeah, I agree, yeah.
0: So I, I can I can understand that. And uh, the influence stuff, yeah, I definitely see the British humour. Speaking of someone who's kind of steeped in it from when I was, you know, born, basically, Um, just constantly surrounded by it. It's something that, uh, oddly, we take for granted, but we really shouldn't, because it is quite unique and different. I know that. I know that. Um, A lot of, um, it seems to be anchored around two things, either the absurd, we love absurd things, and then laughing at them, and self-depreciation. We do you like to laugh laugh at ourselves don't know why it's just the thing we like to do um and you've definitely picked that up on in in in, in kodia so um next question then Almost all right did. yeah next question what video game developer do you most admire in the industry and why
1: you mean right now or in general? It doesn't matter, just
0: generally. Whoever you thought, yeah, those people, those making the things that they do, carry on doing that. Who's anyone who oh. immediately springs to mind?
1: Well, as I say, like, when I was a teenager, uh, I used to play a, a lot of um, adventure games, and I mentioned Monkey Island, so, you know, Ron Gilbert and and... And that is, you know, in my heart because I, I, I used to play a lot back then. Now I don't play any, anymore so much, especially because I don't have time. So when I do, um, when I do, I, I'm really into some games. So I, I take, you know, a few hours every day to, to to truly play a game and finish it. But that happens maybe twice a year. So I play like two games a year only. But I used to to play more uh, when I was a teenager, especially in the LucasArts point and click games. They were some of my favorites. And so if I have to say to mention someone, then uh, yeah, probably Ron Gilbert. And the latest game, I I loved um, Hollow Knight, for example. Oh, yeah. What, what, a,
0: what a triumph of a game that is. It's amazing. But, yeah.
1: Uh, lovely. yeah. Um, that's one was the last one that really, you know, sucked me in. Um, and I played for, I don't know, 30 hours or something nice. of gameplay. Of gameplay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this, yeah, this is more or less, I would say, then, of course, then there are other games that um in the, the last year I appreciated uh, um but yeah, I if I have to to mention the few
0: those are the names. No, that's fine. Is, and there's um sort of kind sort of a last question for, for the first half. And I again the, the LucasArts films, I I Lucas LucasArts games and I remember it was Lucasfilms and stuff. I remember then they did release those back in the day. But um they I think I always liked the dig. That was a weird one, but I did like that game. Um Full Throttle, that's another one. These ones aren't... I mean, they were re-released recently. Grim Fandango got a bit tired of the weird puzzle at the beginning, in the middle, sorry, middle, I think it was, when he had to drive around in a car in a forest. But (laughs) um, they were still all very, very good games. I don't think of any... I can't think of a bad one, actually. Um, But um, what are you playing right now,
1: Nicola? Uh, right now I'm not playing anything. That's Okay. Uh, anything I, planning
0: I'll, to look at? I'll anything watch. piqued your interest?
1: Well uh at the moment uh well I'm waiting the, the second chapter of Hollow o- Night. Yeah. And uh, yep. I I released Encodia like three weeks ago, so I had zero time at Indeed. all and now
0: yeah.
1: and now as I said i I'm already developing another game. So um I don't I don't have time I'm, I'm not playing unfortunately I'm not playing anything right now I have um, yeah, a friend who is also one of the collaborator of Encodia which is releasing a game in a few months and I'm somehow testing uh, his game It's like a um, right Eov puzzle but no unfortunately yeah I, I'm not I don't have uh, I don't have games I have some um, games that I use uh, uh, like uh, references for um, uh, what I'm playing, what I'm developing now, like the, my other game, Clunky Hero, so yeah, which is a metroidvania in the style of um, um, uh, Hollow Knight, but absurd, totally grotesque and crazy. So um, I, I've played few games in the style to, you know, to know what others are looking in the same genre. But for fun, yeah, unfortunately, play. Uh, I'm not playing anything
0: lately. So. No, that's fine. No, we we get that on the show. Just no time, no time. Least of all your good self with uh, so many so yeah. many fingers and so many pies. That's fine. Uh, I'm not gonna. It's just that I always find it fascinating when I ask developers about this question. And sometimes I get some very strange answers. If I may share that with you, not strange, bad, of course not. But they were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah we will be talking about some very esoteric uh, art, sort of like concept, sort of game they've made and. Then I ask him what they're playing. He like, said "Oh, I'm playing FIFA." <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> <laughs> and there's of course there's nothing wrong with that, Nicola. Of course there isn't. No, no, it's great. But, I
1: mean, it's
0: like it's, yeah, okay, okay yeah, lock yourself out. That's great, you know. But uh, no, it's just and, uh, I I'm with you on the new on the next Hollow Night, which I, I think is a little bit overdue. But we're not going to rush them because you wouldn't never do that, knowing how hard it is to make games. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's that Hollow Knight's an older game than people realize. I think it's about three years old now. Um, but
1: uh, yeah. yeah, I played it like last year actually for the first time. So, um, but yeah, it really impressed me in, in every aspect. Um, you know, the the atmosphere, the the fun of playing it, the the music, yeah. the the art. It, it was really like a truly inspiration for. Uh, for game developing in general, of course, now, uh, it's yeah. hard to, you know, you, you, you need, you want to do something like that, but you cannot copy. So you, but it, it, it yeah, it's, it's, it was great. Also because I, I haven't played platformer in like ages, like, you know, yeah uh, before that, I can't even remember the platformer, maybe there was something from my Amiga back in the 90s. I don't know, but you know, and with that, they say, "Wow, platformers can be can be great." You know, if you have good narrative and yeah, they're way better
0: now than they were, because people know how to do platform games now (laughs) than they did back then. Trust me, I know. Uh, Although (laughs) you can't say that about the Mario games; they've always been very good, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, Uh, I mean, I I could never get on with Sonic it's just like I don't get it anyway uh, it's like I don't get this sorry it's just not the fun yeah, I, I Super
1: Frog from the area I don't know if you ever played it sorry
0: Super Frog oh yeah it was great yeah
1: yeah and it had some similarities with Sonic you know in the way that it fast and collect coins and stuff but mm-hmm. it, Super Frog was great I mean Sonic I never really yeah. understood it but... yeah
0: just couldn't really... Anyway, I'm sure lots of people stop listening now, but <laughs> let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Encodia. which we're going to do now. Nicola, before we can delve deep into Encodia, can you tell us what it is?
1: Well, it's an adventure game set uh, in a near future, a dystopian future, and it tells the adventure of a little orphan girl called Tina and her big and clumsy robot guardian, Sam53. And they are on a journey that might change the. The world where they live. It's like a very short synopsis.
0: That's fantastic. Um, some games are easier to encapsulate than others, as you well know. In fact, the same could be said from any medium. I was about to say because I'm sure you have the same questions about film, the films you've made and stuff, and like you might sit there going, "Yeah, I can't even start," because <laughs> that's fine. That's okay to to try and try and summarize it but yes you're right it is about the journey of Tina and Sam and their discovery of they think they know their place in reality when in fact they really don't and that's it's wonderful that the player gets to go on that journey with them so thanks for doing that because i mm-hmm. i think they think they're a lovely pair um i feel immense empathy towards Tina When when, I felt like oh no this is not good she can't be alone like this she's not technically alone alone but uh, my adult self going shouldn't be she be in school or something you know that's the first thing it says me like this doesn't this this can't be right but things do progress and but it is Really quite fascinating what you've done here. But um, we're not going to delve too much into content, listeners. Um, we can't. It's an adventure game. If we did, well, we'd spoil everything. Can't do that. So we're going to talk around the content, as we do on this show. If you want spoilers, go listen to Kana Rince, because we that's great for that. However, we're not here for spoilers. We're here for game design. So, Nicola, the development of puzzles within the confines of an adventure game, are, in my opinion, the cornerstone of their design. Maybe not cornerstone. It's a it's a core part, but it's not the only part, of course. Least of all with Encodia. How have you gone about com- designing the puzzles in Encodia? What have you done? What did you do? How did you set about doing that?
1: Yeah, this is like... Um... It was, you know, the biggest challenge, and uh, um, in a way, the, um, uh, also now you know that the game is out for, as I said, almost a month, three weeks, and uh, um, and I'm reading reviews, and and I have like also by you know expert journalists, not only um, player on Steam, but also journalists, and and. And I have reviews that say, oh, it's a very cool game, but the puzzles are too easy and too logical. And then I have another review that say, oh, the game is very cool, but the puzzles are a nightmare. I was stuck for ages. They are totally illogical. So I have, you know, lots lot of people saying that the puzzles are too easy and logical, and a lot of people say that the puzzles are totally illogical and hard. And I have no idea why, you know. Like, I guess that the, the the adventure games are—you uh, always risk somebody uh, getting stuck. You you have always somebody who gets the puzzle very easily and say that it's easy. So this is like a, when I when I started designing the puzzles, I I, I wanted to uh, first of all to uh, make a game that was not only for the point and click niche, but you know for trying to, to, to have a, a wide audience, you know, so also for kids because the, the, I think that um, some of the thematics and the protagonists are nine years old. So I wanted a game that could be playable, uh, you know, from kids to adults and also from people who are into point and click and people who never play the point and click. But these, at the same time, you know, when you try to, uh, to make everybody happy, you risk to make nobody happy. So uh, it it was a a big challenge. But what I wanted to do for sure was to, uh, I like to think of the word uh, plausible. So uh, when I designed a puzzle, I always thought, okay, I don't want it to be too immediate, like using a 6 star to cut a piece of paper. But at the same time, I didn't want it to be totally absurd, like, uh, I don't know, use a squirrel to open a door or whatever. So I I wanted the the puzzles to be, um, you know, hard, but somehow logical and and plausible. And in Encodia, uh, also the puzzle um, where most of them, at least, they were fought after the narrative. So I I wrote Encodia as I could have written a a movie. So, you know, a synopsis, a treatment, a script, uh, like it was a movie. And then um of course but already thinking about uh, being an adventure game and then when i design the puzzle say okay now the first act of encodia is setting so we are setting the characters who they are um where they live and so on so what are what are they doing so it's like daily tasks to describe how tina and Sam I'm surviving that world, meaning scavenging dumpster to get uh, food, uh, you know, being a, a little bit of a scoundrel, and then uh, uh, picking up things, trash on the ground, and inventing new uses for things, and, and all of that was for me the setting. So the puzzles, you know, came to, in a way, to sustain the narrative of uh, describing the setting of that world, and very often uh, uh, the puzzles are. Uh, fought after the, the the narrative and to um, um, fill the story in a way and, and make challenges in the story. But when I was designing the, the exact uh, you know simple puzzle, of course, I thought of all the games I played in the past and tried to find this good balance between not being too easy and logical and not being totally nonsense or, or absurd and always trying to, to find a a good average in this sense, with this uh, plausible, it is plausible to use that item to unlock that thing, and yeah. But then no, nobody was happy about it because I had these very opposite reviews, and yeah, I have no idea. No, it's okay.
0: It's not easy. In fact, they, like I said, they can make or break a game. But if I may pass my feedback to you, it's not no. That it's more than fine. I think they are they have a logical strand to them there's a thread to them and that makes sense um the last thing you want to do is have but well, that's what killed the genre back in the uh, the the mid 90s when the game came out that was had a puzzle it was so obscure so weird they went yeah, okay you're done for now we're not this, this is it we're done it's Gabriel Knight 3 and it involves cat hair it was stupid, and people were rightly critical of it, and it uh, did, did no good to the genre at all. Ten, you know, ten years ago or so, it managed to come back with the uh, widget eye and stuff. So that's great, but um it was it, it was it was in moribund. It was in a comatose state almost for a long time because of that one one game. Well, it's not true, but it, it didn't help matters. But no, I think you've done a good job for what it's worth. Thank you. I want to ask you about the two characters now. There are two characters that the player can control at any one time. This is very, very unusual in point-and-click adventures. Normally, you only have one character, and that's that. Not well, in this game. You have two. Two very different people. One's a very large, six-foot-plus-tall, gangling, lumbering robot, and the other is a three foot tall nine year old girl (laughs) and because of that when you're controlling them you have to think differently about how they're going to interact with the environment which means almost every environment is two environments in one is that why you made them is that why they exist or is it a happy accident
1: but this, um, you know, now that that the game is released, having two players <laughs> created more issues that, that I thought because when you when you have uh, two players that you can use uh, for the same things more or less, meaning that you have to write and think everything uh, twice. So, for example, there is a trash bin, then. When you look at Trash Bin, the girl, the little girl say something, the robot says something completely different from the point of view of a robot. And this is very charming um, for writing uh, part, but uh, for the coding part, it creates, you know, everything is is double. So you have to to do, to code twice the the amount of of puzzles and and interaction and so on. So it, it was very, very challenging, but also I think it's part of the charm of of Encodia, of swapping characters and observe the world around you with the eyes of a a little girl and the eyes of a robot. And also this, of course, um, came uh, from the short film, as I said, uh, Encodia is, uh, I wouldn't say it's based on, because the short film and the game, they have two totally different stories. Uh, so the short film somehow is some sort of prologue. But since I had those two characters, and I decided through a Kickstarter, um, gaming community already for the short film, really fell in love with both of them. I, I didn't want to make you know uh, the game with only one uh, character. So uh, for me, it, it always was two. One of the ideas was to not make them uh, swappable. So basically, you were using only and sam was always with you maybe talking with you or something but not actually you couldn't use it to uh, to interact and move and stuff but then it was I think uh, uh, it wouldn't been so nice as having the possibility to to see the world of encodia with those two point of views that for me yeah it's one of, of, of the of the strong point of of encodia but at the same time made the coding part uh, very very uh, critic and also uh, more um, how to say for bug you know for the bugs uh, it's it's more um, easy to get bugs when you have two characters interacting so you have to have double variables and double everything
0: yes the added added complexity led to more bugs and more errors that you then had to hunt down because they were conflicting with each other uh, I can definitely understand that, but I do appreciate the effort because I think it's a wonderful idea because it allows you, like I said, to see the world through two pairs of eyes, not just one.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, after all, now that it's over, of course, I'm happy, happy with it. Mm. But, if there, but uh, at the same time, if I think, okay, I have to make a, a sequel, so maybe
0: the character would be one, who knows? But yeah. no spoiler. No, no. So the world represented in Encodia is quite oppressive, I think. Um it's very grey, very wet, there's some colour, but generally it's it's quite dour and dull in in its visual not not visuals, but the the atmosphere, the, the sense of a weight heading, uh, ha- hanging over everyone. This constant cloud cover and that kind of thing. But there's always a thread of hope. At least this, this is what I perceived, running through it. How have you found maintaining this little thread, that's quite fragile, when designing the world of Encodia? Yeah,
1: this it's also you know, um, interesting thing to discuss in a way that, uh, as I said earlier, like Blade Runner is a big influence, you know, the Blade Runner is an entire movie set in the nighttime with the rain. And I wanted something like that. But at the same time, uh, we are telling the story of a little girl and the little girl always had hope, you know, even if she's in the worst world possible, she she's always optimistic. She always have hope, you know, even if she doesn't like this and that, but she's always positive in a way. And this, you know, helps when you also in the design of the location to think, okay, this is dark and gray, but but there is some uh, tenderness, you know, somehow, some sweetness. And then, of course, in the second part of the game that we, we don't spoil, we go to something that is totally different from that world. But uh, I think that the, the city, you know, it's like typical um, um, cyberpunk city. So that, in a way, in my opinion, unfortunately, it's not so different from any big city right now. Of course, it's amplified. Everything is amplified uh, in Encodia, but it's not that different from London, for example, or, uh, I don't know, Shanghai or any other, you know, uh, megalopoly or very big city but the fact that we have this um, sweetness in the whole game um, in the characters but also in the um, environment helps you know uh, giving this sense of hope uh, and and cuteness in in, in also the the way the, the especially the characters I'd say because maybe the backgrounds themselves keep this kind of darkness, but uh, the mix of of all of the, that, you know, characters and backgrounds and storylines gives this feeling of uh, open optimism. Let's say.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's that's that's exactly what I got the impression that you knew that you could have gone full on and made it really dark, but then I think we've had a lot of that recently, and. There's no need for that. And also it becomes um, one tone. Uh, I know as someone, as a a filmmaker, you know how that can go. It can go be good. That's fine. But then it becomes, well, not very interesting. Uh,
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. No, yeah. I think also the the cyberpunk genre is usually, you know, just dark and that's it. It's also adult-oriented and that's it. You know, you always have dark stories or dark multinational adults hackers whatever but i think something original about encoder is also to see you know something that is usually so dark having the point of view of a kid and also be kid friendly in a way and also the the humor you know it's cyberpunk and humor usually aren't really uh, getting along together much so yeah yeah, putting all of this uh, try to you see the cyberpunkish genre with a, a slightly different, you know, um, point of view.
0: So my last question to you, Nicolo, is 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 this? Um, one of the things that I've always been fascinated by when it comes to adventure games is knowing where you are in it. You know, how far have you got? How far has the player got in? You know, as they're making their way through the journey, it gives them a sense of achievement of what they've done. It also gives them a clue as to what they're going to do. What do you think you've done in Encodia to encourage and advertise this to the player to advise them? You see, you've done all this. You've you've seen all this. What do you think you've done to advertise this to the player?
1: Well, in in terms of. um, um... Game design that I'm not sure uh, because I haven't played lately. Point and clicks, but uh, uh, Encodia has like a, a percentage of completion of the, um, of the game. You know, mm-hmm. so you always know how much of the game is completed. So you have 20%, 30%, 40%, and also compared to the at least the classics, I have a, like a mission tracker that mm-hmm. basically click and you know what you need to do that usually uh, it wasn't very common back in the day so you always have to go back and talk with someone and say what did I say? did you say that I have to do to finish that but now you know there is a little menu where encodia is you know keeping track of your missions and um, uh, tasks and, and stuff like that and those two things are as I said earlier um, I wanted the audience of uh, Encodia to be, you know, a, a little bit uh, wider than the, the, the niche of the point and clicks. So, um, uh, you know, the, the young generation, they, they need to have, um, at least the young generation of players, uh, they they need to have a lot of hints and things like that. They are spoiled somehow, you know. Um, uh, it, it was fun when I, I was... I'm changing totally subject but it's okay when I place Skyrim you know that you have a map uh the map is always visible and you have even the path that you have to follow to reach a specific uh destination you know so
0: yeah yeah
1: Where the exploration i've just i have to follow the, the the path you know just to follow the line or the uh, and that for me was a bit disappointing you know to considering as i said that i, I grew up old school where you have to Drove the map on, on a piece of paper in front of your computer you know like uh,
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: uh, but nowadays the players are used to you know these kind of things so I, I implemented uh this mission tracker that um, in a way uh at least for my experience is not very common on, on point and click games and then uh of course there are the dialogues and you can uh Uh, Tina can talk with Sam uh, and also ask him what to do. There is this hint system. If you play in easy mode uh, where Tina can ask Sam uh, what to do next if she's stuck with something and the player is stuck and doesn't know what to do Uh, using Tina uh, she can ask Sam, hey, I'm I'm stuck here. Do you know how to get to open that door? And then Sam would give a hint. Um, So yeah, in the narrative and the you know the flow with the story is uh, often uh, with uh, reminded with with those tricks and of course then uh, through dialogues and the cutscenes to uh, keep together uh, the story. Uh, especially the the cutscenes are uh, triggered when you achieve something. So, for example, part one when you get back home after your daily task, you have a cutscene that. At the same time, is rewarding your efforts, but also telling something more about the story and carrying on the story.
0: Yeah, I I, I think uh, they're very rewarding. I do like those. They remind me of old text adventures from back in the day when you finally figured out a puzzle and you get rewarded by a massive graphic image of uh, a new area or something. I did like that. Um and uh yeah, I, I I think yeah, you answered that question really well. It's basically progression is both numerical, it's the obvious one, but it's also other things as well that can identify and explain how far you've gotten and how far you've yet to go. So yeah. Enkodia, which is developed by Chaos Manga Studio. Can I ask where the name of the studio comes from?
1: Okay, that's an interesting question. Actually, it's coming from um um a song from a band uh, from canada called boywood okay it's like um uh, i wouldn't i don't know how to describe them because they change genre very much they uh, started with some sort of trash metal right. they went in like delhi but many describe them like the the band sid barrett um uh, that made if he was playing metal basically <laughs> to to, right. to describe of Craziness and progressive way, but anyway, and and there were a song called Chaos Mongers, in plural, and they liked this singular version, and I don't know, I always liked it, yeah. um, and Chaos, you know. It's...
0: No, I I, I always yeah. love to ask the question about where studios get their names from, and uh, yeah, some of them it's just uh, the name of them themselves, which is lovely, but uh, no, that's a really good answer. I'll have to check them out because I'm not familiar with their work um and uh oh yeah so yes so Encodia is developed by chaos Munga studio published by assemble entertainment and is out now on steam and understands works on windows pc mac os and Linux. is that right
1: yeah it's also on uh, gog or oh, yeah. Google, and mm-hmm. then there's also also for linux so we have uh, windows linux and mac yeah and yeah. Uh, a porting to consoles also so soon. Oh, exciting! We'll exciting do.
0: stuff. Um, I I do have all of the things because the the job requires it. Um But no, yeah, I I, I think. Uh, but I've I've been having a wait of a time. And also, I did play it on hard mode, not because I was like you know, being. Um, I was just I'm used to playing point and click adventures that way. You know, you figure it out. You know, I like the fact that oh, okay, there's a little capacitor down there. I wonder if i can pick it up oh i can <laughs> you know yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah so, you, so yeah so uh, it's a credit to the art design that i could go oh look that looks a bit obvious everything else around it's not important but that that looks quite obvious i'll pick it up oh i can it's great stuff <laughs> makes me feel good it's little things in life nicola
1: <laughs> yeah. it's
0: been wonderful having you on the show thank you And uh, you're more than welcome to come back to talk about your your next title, which you've already hinted at and discussed. Um, And uh, because you'd be very welcome, we've had return guests um, a lot over the years, and uh, we will be here. Trust me. And uh, but until then, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, thank you for your time, and yeah, let's let's have a new talk in a few months.
0: You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast. Part of the Canaan Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Canaan Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, CanaanRinse.com.